0: Love Talk Radio.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Nurtured Heart Approach May podcast. Today's podcast is the fourth installment of a six-month podcast series entitled The Lifespan Journey with NHA, Inner Wealth for All Ages. The May Spotlight is NHA with the 15 to 19-year-olds. We are delighted to have you join us on this lovely afternoon or evening if you're in the UK in May. I am Stephanie Rule, a certified NHA advanced trainer, teaching and coaching NHA to parents, teachers, and mental health professionals in the local community of the Roseville, Sacramento area, and I work for the Children's Success Foundation as the STAR program coordinator. I am also a wife and a parent of two children, ages four and seven, and we live in a Nurtured Heart household. Before I introduce our guests for this month, since we do have listeners who are new to Nurtured Heart, I'd like to give just a super fast, 30-second or less thumbnail of what NHA is before diving into today's discussion. What I like to say is that NHA is an approach or a methodology that focuses on building and strengthening relationships in our lives. It's all about building inner wealth, not only in children, but also in adults, through the use of something we call the three stands, so that we are all able to put our best selves out there in the world. Okay, so I think that it is about that time for me to go ahead and introduce our guest speakers for this thought-provoking topic of inner wealth for all ages with a focus on 15- to 19-year-olds. Our first guest for today is Catherine. Catherine is a licensed clinical social worker with a busy private practice in Mill Creek, Washington, and is a Nurtured Heart Approach Advanced Trainer, parent coach, and author. As a clinician, Catherine has worked with kids who present with challenging behaviors for over 25 years and has a passion for supporting children and teens with intensity. Raised as the daughter of a special ed teacher, Catherine has a special heart for those who are highly sensitive and or neurodivergent. Catherine is steadfast in her refusal to participate in the model of deficits, labels, and problems, and instead supports healing hearts and aligning kids with the best of themselves, both through individual counseling and parent support. The foundation of Catherine's practice is the Nurtured Heart Approach, and she believed she would not be in the mental health field today if she had not discovered NHA. Catherine is also the mother of four children, a 20-year-old daughter, and three boys who are 18, 15, and 10. The Nurtured Heart Approach has been the heart of her own family for a decade, and while not always perfect at living it, she credits her family's success to living the tenets of NHA every day. She is most proud of the love her children hold for each other, and particularly loves watching the kids navigate into teen and young adulthood, adulthood with a strong sense of inner wealth. And it is a very special honor of mine, as your host for this podcast, to have Catherine here with us today, as she was the original podcast host. Catherine, it's absolute honor to have you here with us on the podca- podcast again. Thank you for being here with us today.
0: Thank you, Stephanie. I'm so excited to be here with you, and I love that I'm paired with Allie, so thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome.
2: So speaking of Allie, let's go ahead and get him introduced. Um, our second guest for today is Alisair Gardner. With a 28-year career in delivering outstanding outcomes for children and families, Alisair is recognized as a leading international voice in transforming challenging family homes, educational, and childcare settings. Having held several high-profile senior management positions in the U.K., he has worked tirelessly to improve the life chances of children and young people. Alistair is the Managing Director of Nurtured Heart Approach U.K., which is responsible for overseeing the successful implementation of the Nurtured Heart Approach across many childcare and educational services in the U.K. With his specialization of working with children and young people who display challenging, aggressive, and violent behavior, he has been able to utilize NAPA to to dramatically reduce the number of challenging and violent incidents which occur in the family home and workplace. The main focus of his work is creating environments which can be free from conflict, physical confrontation, and restraint. Ali's extensive operational experience has provided him with the expertise in translating NHA theory into best practice. He empowers parents, educators, and child care practitioners to think creatively about implementing NHA strategies and techniques while providing clear, straight-talking advice on navigating situations of conflict. Alistair is an engaging, informed, and humorous facilitator who travels internationally to deliver training on the operational implementation of the Nurtured Heart Approach. Ali lives in Manchester, UK, with his wife, Lindsay, and his three sons, Cameron, 19, Finley, 17, and Brody, 5. Welcome, Ali. It is such an honor to have you here with us today.
1: It's an honor to be
2: here, Stephanie. Yay. Well, guys, now that we've gotten those amazing biograph- bios out of the <laughs> – out off of, our, off of our palette for the day, let's get diving into our discussion about our 15- to 19-year-olds. I'm very excited to hear what the two of you have to say because both of you are, as we've heard from your bios, extremely experienced trainers in NHA with tons of experience with the, this age frame, 15- to 19-year-olds. So – I'd really like to hear from both of you about your, some of your experiences in um, building inner wealth with kids at this age. Which one you of want you want
1: to would start, like to Jump in. <laughs> I, I'd be happy to start. So, yeah, thanks, Stephanie. Yeah. So, um, for me, I, I think I want to start with the point that, you know, this specific age group, uh, you know, I think there's been a moral panic about this age group for as long as I've been alive that we have a fear of this group that they're out of control um, that they're going to get involved in destructive behaviour in substance misuse and, and antisocial behaviour whether the true facts are the vast majority of young people of this age group are being extremely successful in their lives so I always like to come from the point when I'm working with young people even if they and display those difficulties and exhibit those difficulties. The reality is that they are doing so much, um, you know, making such great decisions in their life and being successful. But I think we do have this kind of moral panic that, that we're kind of drawn to what is going wrong with these you know, young people, especially at this age. But the, the greater issue for me is, is not what they are doing wrong, but the parental and the educators and the childcare practitioners fear of what they might do wrong. Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly trying to, um, you know, warn children about the dangers of the big frightening world that is out there and, and not to fall into those traps where You know, the way I I like to look at it is that I want these children to go out into the world and explore the world, explore their community, explore relationships, you know, assert their independence uh, and really have a go at making positive decisions in their life. And I think that has to be the cornerstone of when we're working with this age group. Is trying to remove the parental and adult fear from their lives because I, I do think it is more prevalent at this age than any other age um, that a child is because we do have to let them go out, we do have to let them explore the world and that is very fearful for parents who mm-hmm. have been able to manage virtually every area of their child's life prior to this you know, we drop children off at a, We're dropping children off at activities, at sports. You know, we're constantly in communication through the cell phones. And and for me, you know, this is this is an exciting time for parents and an exciting time for these young people. And you know, what I really like to do is reflect it back to them about the success that they are showing. So when they go out my front door or they go out of the organizations that I I work with I want them filled with the knowledge that I have belief trust you know within them that they can make those great decisions when they're out there so that is the that's the cornerstone of the work that I do with children and young people in these situations is first of all is about recognizing the inner wealth that is already in the child and then we can build on that. We can build on, you know, when they come back from their night out or a sporting activity to, to identify all they've achieved. You know, let let let's really get into that with a young person. Let let's make them feel proud of those choices they're making.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that Allie, cuz when you were when we were first when Stephanie asked that question my first thought that came to mind is we don't have to be afraid of teenagers <laughs> I think there's that fear that you're talking about um, and I'm surprised when, when teens come to my office, and I see quite a few teens at this point, that it doesn't take them but, you know, 20 minutes into a conversation, because I typically do kind of a meet and greet, no pressure, this is totally your choice, and kind of send them on their way, because their message that they're getting, I think, so often is something that's been so different from that presumption of negative outcome is this presumption of success and this refusal to get, get caught up and tripped up by whatever behaviors got them through the door. And it's such a radical, different message, but that idea of I'm handing control to you because you have it anyway, and let's not focus on what's going wrong, but let's look for how we can help you support your own goals and, and getting you there. And we don't have to be afraid of kids, no matter, no matter the behavior that might be tripping them up in the moment. And I, I love that, everything you said, Allie. I'm so much nodding my head in agreement.
1: And, you know, what I think is important as well is if you think of young people in Sweden, this, this age group, it's you know, their, their hormones, their brains are all doing somersault And they're all leaving young people with being worried, being fearful, you know, issues around sexuality, mm-hmm. issues about how do I fit in, worried about the future. And so there's enough uncertainty amongst ourselves around that. So what we don't need to do is muddy the waters about that and create more fear and create more uncertainty consistency and, and a, an extra lack of belief an extra layer of that mm-hmm. of worry that we put on them you know we, we have to let these young people breathe and experience life
2: mm-hmm. I have a question to pose to both of you that because as a as a parent of two littles at this point in my life um, I have always and I've never really thought about it until you both just spoke about this, but I have always thought of the teen years and, you know, kind of shuddered like, oh, that's scary. I don't know about that. Um, And I never really even realized that I did that. And so while you guys were talking about it, I thought, wow, that is just such a societal norm for us to be afraid of the teenage years, to feel fearful of what's going to come when they turn teenagers. Um, And so I thought to myself, wow, I really, um, I don't want to do that. I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to be thinking about those years in fear because, of course, if I'm thinking that way, then I'm going to be putting that onto my children. That's going to be coming out, that energy is going to be coming out of me and going onto my children, and then they're going to feel that fear as well. So here's my question. How? Do you guys have um, advice? or suggestions for parents of younger kids for how to not parent their teens out of fear. What do you do to not feel that fear?
0: parent the well, younger kids out of fear or the older kids because I think you know every time we, we talk about a, a developmental stage of, of kids, I always think, gosh nurture heart approach is so perfect for this developmental stage and nurtured mm-hmm. heart approach is perfect for teens, right? Whether right. you've raised kids like I have, my kids were little guys when we started this approach and now watching them navigate through ten years later, they've got such a strong inner voice, right They have that inner wealth, that strong mm-hmm. sense of self that becomes their true north. and I can stand back and watch them make good decisions and watch them trip up now and then and watch them self-adjust and and fix things. Um, But even kids who come in later down the journey, I think we can assume they have a strong inner voice. And so oftentimes that inner voice is laced with negativity. And now here we have this approach that starts to shine a different reflection back to them in a way that's believable and a way that challenges that inner wealth or in that inner voice, right, where it, it does start to shift. And so that's what I would say is trust the process, whether you're you're new to it with teenagers or you're starting with your guys little, is Mm -hmm. trust that the end point is we can kind of step back and put our hands up and say, you've got this kid, because their inner wealth is guiding the choices that they're making. And even bad ones, when they trip up, their inner wealth is guiding them through how do they make restitution or whatever it might be. And it happens time and time and time again. Trust Mm -hmm. the process, right? Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, within that as well, I guess, you know, I, I have a reputation as a bit of a straight talk. But a, you know, what I'd like to lay on this, you know, I've been using the approach now for eight, nine years. And, you know, if we have the belief that if we do the approach that, you know, young people will never make mistakes, will never let you down, will never come in late, will never um, involve them <laughs> in activities that aren't great, you know, we need to kind of really reset ourselves in the, that moment because as adults, you know, we all make those mistakes and so do young people. I think that the real element that shines for me that if you have younger children, you're starting to use the approach and are looking to see that through and that the children again close to those teenagers and you're worried about that is, is that, I would really strongly be working on my own personal research. I would be working on my own practice Mm -hmm. about how that I can, how I can change um, and how I can deal with my fear and sort of use that is how it says for the jet fuel, which is to kind of take it to the next level because, you know, it would be wonderful to say after all the time that, you know, that I've been using the approach with my children that, um, I could just sit back and watch this glorious display of great choices <laughs> and great decision-making happen in life. But most weekends, you know, I have my head in my hands at some stage. And mm-hmm. part of that is because what I, I need to do and what I've learned to do is reset that and to, to recognize that's not in the end of the world. That is that right. is my, my children okay. going through the learning process of becoming a successful Young person who is making choices and learning from choices, even if they aren't great choices, they are learning from that process. Absolutely. So, you know, for me, it's the kind of, again, you know, it's that old adage that the nurtured heart approach is not just for children, it's for us as adults. And so, what we have to do if we're starting to feel that fear of our children getting older and becoming more independent. I think we have to start learning to to reset ourselves in that moment and and sort of use that energy in positive ways.
0: Mm-hmm. I always think too, Stephanie, that idea of you know when you're when you're talking to a parent or your your own you know, parent of your children and you're thinking about what are the things I want my kids to have guiding them in their next season just around the corner, you know what are the things I want my daughter to know about um, trusting her intuition and and knowing that she can use that as her uh, sounding board or knowing that they're resilient when they make a mistake and look at you so even with your little guys practicing those things that they want you want them to be doing down the line if that makes sense Mm -hmm. right and the cool thing about it is is whether they're five-year-olds or 10-year-olds or 15-year-olds or 20-year-olds there's no shame and there's no judgment in this parenting philosophy so when our kids trip up and it's a guarantee that they will mind you all the time as well Allie Mm -hmm. I'm right there with you There's no judgment and there's no shame. I love one of the stories I always tell at trainings is when my 15-year-old failed his first class. And, you know, typical parenting would have been you've lost everything you you love, you're in trouble, you're grounded, I'm going to make life miserable for you. And instead we had clarity established, you know, what, what was expected and what they earned for it. And those kinds of things were neutrally on hold. And when he got that F, he said in his own words, I don't ever want to feel like this again. All right. What are you going to do differently next time? And it became a whole different conversation. He was able to self-correct and claim the success of all that he did differently. And, you know, it never happened again. But had I gone old school parenting on him, my guess is it would have been a different trajectory.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And to add on to that as well, Stephanie, is that, that, you know, what I will celebrate is, is young people owning their mistakes. So recognising, you know, being openly, uh, you know, coming to say to me, look, you know I, I, you know, I made a bad decision last night. I made a really poor choice, you know, and I, I need to let you know that I've made a poor choice last night. Now, that, there's something great to be celebrated in there because the opposite of sharing with me how they've made a mistake is lying. And for a lot of parents and carers, the concern is that they're not being told the truth. Now, to have a young person who's grown there in a wealth to feel strong enough to be able to stand up to the plate and actually say, Look, this is what happened. I made a poor choice. I recognised it as a poor choice, where I may have never known about that decision or poor choice. And so allowing them to celebrating them for actually having the bravery, the honesty, and the problem solving ability and, and being able to be reflective. Mm-hmm. In recognising that is, is a huge point for me. Now, in, in you know, sort of mainstream parenting, what we would do is get throw ourselves into a panic about what they've made a bad choice about, give the moral of the story of what they've made the bad decision about, give the warning that's gonna what's gonna happen, and, and you know, make a mountain out of a molehill, and we yep. lose the beauty of recognising of that young person who's come up. And held their hands up and said, Look, you know, on reflection, I, I recognize that I made a mistake. You know, so these are the kind of things that we can recognize that, you know, as parents with this age group, instead of sharing the fear and the panic, which is, you know, sharing our belief, but even when they get things wrong, you know, we can take something away from that. If they've been able, if they've told me a thought process that they went through, how they tried to problem solve it how they want to correct it and what they've learned for the next time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, like,
0: I love your phrase, mainstream parenting, because I think typical mainstream parenting would be, and now we're going to take away your opportunities to go and do something different and to self-adjust yeah. and be able to be mm-hmm. celebrated for doing, you know, being in the same situation and being able to make a different choice. And if we put everything on hold where they don't have any opportunities to go test the waters again and trust their own inner compass, right? Mm-hmm. Then we're kind of right. creating our own negativity there. Yeah, this conversation, so
2: I'm just really, truly enjoying it. And I'm thinking about, as I'm listening to you guys, our listeners who are out there that are fairly new to Nurtured Heart and might have a 15 to 19-year-old, um, and how this conversation might be impacting them. And what, I, what I'm what i loving that I'm hearing about this is that, you know, first of all, we're talking about parenting with fear with this age group and how common it is, Um and then I, what I'm hearing from you guys is the antidote, sort of, the antidote for, to this fear is when they do mess up, when they do th- come offline, um, that we can, instead of parenting them in judgment in those moments and, you know, shaking, wagging our finger at them and in their faces and all of those things, taking things away, like you were saying, Catherine, instead of doing that, we can reset ourselves and then we can celebrate what they did do well. Um, and I feel like when you guys were saying that, it's like for me as a parent who's been practicing nurtured heart for many years, um, it it all makes complete sense, you know, and it, it, it's um, something that is kind of like the back of my hand. Like, yeah, I totally get that. But for people who are newer to this, I'm like, wow, this is some good stuff for them to be hearing because parenting out of fear is is going to cycle you into more fear, is going to cycle your kids into more negative behavior, as you both know. So I just really appreciate um, where you guys are going with this discussion about how to parent teenagers, because it's, it's not an easy task.
1: No, and Stephanie, you know, if I could just say as well is that, um, you know, there will be some parents and some childcare practitioners and foster carers who will be listening to this, which will be saying, you know, yes. But I'm having a horrendous time at this moment. You know, I mm-hmm. may have a child who's being violent. I may have a child who is not attending school, who yeah. may be uh, abusing substances and abusing alcohol, and are being destructive I'm right. and ruining my relationships. Now, that's real. You know, that's real mm-hmm. for many, many, many families. And, and so for me, there's other elements of that. And again, what we have to do is go right back to start. Um, what we have to look at when we're looking at the basics of the approach is that the truth with this age group is that if they didn't want to be there with you, they would choose not to. Yep. And between 15 and 19, young people can go missing and go for long, long periods of time in places that aren't safe. They can survive. You know, as adults, we have this myth that they can't survive, but they can and so what I look at do when I'm working, certainly with families in, in foster care, is, is trying to explain to them that moment in time, even though this behavior is happening, even though um, they are really pushing you over the, the edge, they are choosing to do it with you in your house. And although that can be hard to hear, the reality of it is because they feel safe, mm-hmm. because they feel oh, yeah. secure, as they feel that there is something there, so there's relationship there. And if we can take parents right back to that from as a starting point, maybe experience those huge difficulties, is if we can take it from there. We can't try to solve everything in one go, but if we can understand that the young person is making a choice to stay in that environment even though the behaviors can be absolutely outrageous, it gives you a starting point to move forward from. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Baby
0: steps back, of success. Yeah, that phrase, going back to the idea, there's always something right. And I think you know, I think going back to that issue of clarity, I'm surprised how many kids tell me at you know, this age group say, I don't feel like I've ever been able to make a decision or have any say or control in my place right let's talk about clarity let's talk about presumption of success let's talk about coming together to the table and talk about what we're all agreeing are on our our expectations um, and that's super empowering to, to kids who've never felt like they've had a voice right to be able to come together so that again that my office that's always the starting place let's talk about what we're all agreeing to and then when i'm working with the kiddo individually there's no judgment there's no shame in whatever um less than optimal choice let's say that they may be making it's that checking in about congruency. Are the choices that you're making, or the thoughts that you're thinking, that are driving your choices, congruent with who you want to be and where you want to go? And if not, what are you going to do differently? And it's a really different conversation. And you're right. Establishing that safety of you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I see the good in you, no matter what. It's a really different message for kids to download. <sighs> yeah, isn't
1: it? just a quick <laughs> example. Just a quick example of that. stuff. you know, I hear a lot. You know, a lot of carers who look after some of the most challenging things yeah, will we'll talk to me how frustrated they are that the young person isn't doing their homework now I get that I absolutely get that, it's frustrating but if a child is not doing the homework it's telling me they're going to school Yep. and I, you know I, I have to look at that starting point Well, when the child is making some good choices they're showing up to school the same for the day they are choosing not to do their homework not great, yeah But what we have to do is look at those steps that are already taking place, that is successful. Mm -hmm. And and so when we're feeling that, so the child and the young person who is is threatening violence is not threatening, you know, is not actually delivering violence at this moment in time. The child who is threatening to trash the room is not trashing the room. We can actually join in with that kind of, you know, that free-for-all of, you know what is going to go wrong, and threats, and the parent or the carer threatening back about what they're going to do. And, and reality is just our energy is being stolen at that moment in point, uh, moment in time. You know, and I we'll would definitely be looking at for those kind of you know situations. It's always reflects on, you know, what is going right at that moment. You know, what can I hook myself onto so I don't get involved in a situation that's going to escalate.
2: Right so I want, I'm wondering if um, I'm thinking about my my own classes that I teach to parents in, this, in my community here, and so many times I get these questions of, "But you know what? I can't use the nurtured heart recognitions of my teenagers. They just don't work. They don't work with the teenagers, and I have my own responses to them. But I would really love to hear from the two of you any responses or any thoughts on, on using the recognitions, the nurtured heart recognitions with, with this age group versus the younger kids?
0: Right. Well, I think if you're talking to a parent, it's no, part of it is know your kid, know your kid and, and know the age and be authentic because kids mm-hmm. will smell baloney every single time if they're feeling like it's not authentic. So has my language with my kids changed over the years? Absolutely. Do I speak to my 9-year-old different than my 18-year-old? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, being playful, and, and we've talked over the, I don't know, last two years of podcasts, you know, use text as a great way to, mm-hmm. to communicate with teenagers or do the shout out across the room because you're not having that intensity of face-to-face conversation. Or slide it back to just little nuggets of words and stop with the long, you know, whatever, strings of right. words, if that what your child is unable to take. But, you know, being totally present and being totally tuned in, you're going to get that feedback of what, what's landing and what's not and what's getting rejected and what you see them sit up a little bit taller for. And so I think being really aware of that and letting that guide your next step and the next and the next and the next.
2: Mm-hmm. Being tuned in and willing to yeah, grow that's... with them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, go ahead, Ali. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm, um, for me, Stephanie, I, I think – You know, I want to speak the truth. And the truth is when many teenagers say they hate getting recognition, they're telling the truth. And we can't dismiss that. You know, I feel with many young people who we think, well, no, if we do it long enough, strong enough, hard enough, they'll learn to love these recognitions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most of the time, the young people are actually telling the truth. So as Catherine said, it's about, it's looking about how we deliver that. And, um, you know, if, if we are kind of reading them off the imaginary clipboard, then yes, you know, they, you know, kids have got, you know, they've got a great BS radar and they will pick up on that. But the, the truth of the matter is, it's, first of all, it's about knowing the young person and then it's finding the way. And for me, sometimes, especially with this age group, less is more. You know, we often get in and bring in long flowery sentences and as adults we feel we've got to get it all in and it can sound clunky and, um, you know, but if you're just wanting to see, you know, your young person um, be able to show kindness or thoughtfulness, you know, if the child offers to make you a, you know, a, a coffee or, you know, it takes something out of the room for you and puts it in the dishwasher, just saying, you know you know I, I can see you being really thoughtful you know and kind you know you don't have to um, sort of jump in and throw everything at them at once you know for for me, the thing that I love about the approach is it 's a living breathing approach it mm-hmm. fits into our day to day living with the child with the young person i don 't enter you know, a young, per- young person's bedroom and start, you know, really throwing into them loads of recognitions. You know, it can be just something, you know, I see you're taking care of yourself. I see you, I notice that you, you are relaxing and taking time for yourself. And, I, you know, I know people will have heard me say this before, but the huge thing about recognitions with teenagers is not working. Yep. Don't give a recognition and lurk sort of, and by lurking I mean sort of standing around because the message to the young person, and I hear this lots from young people, you know, saying, it's as though the adult is wanting something back. I've said something nice to you, so you're supposed to say something nice Mm -hmm. to me. Well, the whole idea of the approach is for me just to recognise the child for who they are in that moment. It's not for me. To be a you know, have an affirmation about how I've delivered the approach. And so for me, sometimes less is more, certainly when you're at the start, it's been really potent with your language.
0: Yeah, I think that, that notion of giving up reciprocity and, and having you know this expectation mm-hmm. that it's some sort of conversational turn taking, that's sometimes a big aha uh-huh moment when people realize oh I'm not supposed to get anything back it's not about that it's truly only about being totally present in my appreciation in the moment and it's not about me. Um, that's a really really important piece for teens. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and also don't get hooked up on their response.
0: Right. You know, it's
1: really important not to get hooked up on mm-hmm. their response. So if they tell you to go away in many different ways that right. people can't. <laughs> Don't get hung up on that, and then get drawn into the conflict. Because the whole idea is we're wanting it to land.
0: Right.
1: You know, if we then get involved in a twenty-minute tirade, you know, of batting, you know, the abusive ball back and forward, then what was the point of that recognition? Right. You know, we're delivering it in, a, in, a, in an honest way that has an integrity, that lands with a young person, and for me, is deliver and go, deliver and go. If right. the child or the young person wants to engage you and comes back with something, yes, it can take you to the next level. But don't get frustrated or angry if they tell you to get out of the room or if they say, why well, are you talking to me? That, that is not the purpose of why you were given the recognition. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Can either of you speak, speak to, um, for our listeners, um, can you speak to how to not get hooked up on that response? I know that's a that's a pretty common comeback for me in my classes. Well but how? How do I not how do I not get engaged and get pulled into those responses? They just called me a you know what and they just rolled their eyes at me or they on and on and on, whatever their response was. Can you guys um speak to how do you not get hooked into that response? What do you do? It's time. Well, I'm
1: laughing at you Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was just thinking about that as well. One reason not to do it is that you will have a longer life. Um, yeah. You know, we get so hung up in stress and
0: stressed and
1: right. ending up in these situations. And the choice is, I guess, what we're all trying to do. And, and I am going to separate this out a bit because there is the parental one. And there is, if you then work with children who can, you know, young people who mm-hmm. throw those chances up. First of all, for me... As the parent, obviously, there's a greater level of investment, emotional connection with that young person. and You're so desperate for them to make good choices. You know, we're yeah. so desperate for them to do well. And it is upsetting um, to see them, um, you know, rejecting that and, and mm-hmm. pushing it the other way. But the, the reason is, is that, you know, the Nurtured Heart Approach is about the long game, isn't it? It's not about the sh- short game. You know, what we're trying to do is the process that we're involved in is trying to build the inner wealth in this young person. So even if they don't like something, they can draw on something to say, okay, I'll get that, I'll listen to that, I could get involved in that. It's not the short game where we're trying to get them to react immediately in that situation. So, you know, I've certainly talked to parents and to carers, which is about, you know, before you enter the day, if you're up half an hour before the, the child is, or 10 minutes before you go into that classroom, is you need to be visioning how that day is going. You've got to vision about how you're not going to be drawn into these situations. If you have triggers, then you need to look at just have a quick, you know, breathe in, reset yourself, and, and just set out there for the days that I'm not going to be drawn in. You know, if we go again back to the basics of the approach, what we have to understand is the energy of the situation. The young people may try to drag you in and raise that energy and take that energy because, you know, that that's fulfilling. So it's about, for us, it's setting out yourself, resetting yourself, going in there, having a pre-thought about what you will face today because we normally face it on a regular basis. And think how I'm not going to jump in, how I'm not going to buy into this situation.
0: Absolutely. I'm thinking back as you're talking, Allie. I'm thinking about um, how resets look different at different times. And I'm laughing as I'm thinking about it because when my daughter was about 10, I I couldn't say the word reset to her because, of course, it would be a trigger for a 10-year-old child in a lot of ways. (laughs) And I used to do this kind of turn my head, hand up, almost like the talk to the hand thing. And I think at that time I probably thought that was resetting her. And thinking back reflectively, of course I was resetting myself as your 10-year-old daughter coming at you with a snarky attitude or whatever it was. And so I think, like you're saying, know your triggers. You know, know your triggers and know what tools you have at your disposal that you can tap into a quick reset to yourself so that you're not pulled into that power struggle of that dynamic of our kids know how to get our goat. And, and reminding ourselves that every single day. That's the first thing. Another thing I was thinking about was the idea of when we start to really seek and find the greatness in our teens or other people's teens over and over and over again, then we're not tripped up so much by when those non greatness moments show up because we're constantly redefining. Experientially, you know how we're looking and seeing that child as well, and you know those things together are a powerful combination. But just like kids don't always have the tools in their toolbox to reset, sometimes adults don't have. And so you might have people in your class who are like, I don't have a clue how to reset. Okay, so what do you do when you come home from work and it's been a long day? What are the first things that you go to? Oh, I like to change my clothes and take a shower, or I like to run, or I like to sit with a cup of coffee. Okay, those are also tools you can use to reset yourself, you know, when your child is coming at you or whatever it might be. And so there's a a teaching element, I think, too, for our parenting classes to help parents realize what's your trigger and what do I do to reset? It's tough. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's
1: great, uh, Kathy. It must be different in the U.S. because most people's reset when they come home from the work in the U.K. is a glass of wine.
0: I I love that you say that, because I always talk to my individual families about that, but I wasn't necessarily wanting to put that on the air. So, you know, whether it's you go for a run or you have a nice cocktail, whatever is your thing. We all have things, right? And here's the thing I would say, too, if we pay attention close enough to children, children have their go-to things, too. So when they've come home from exactly. a long day of school or whatever it is, they know what they need to reset. And so often mm-hmm. we parents get in the way of allowing them to do the very things that they need to do to kind of get themselves down from that tipping point that many kids are hovering around after a day of school to reset themselves so they're not so reactive. When we say go pick up your clothes or you didn't take out the trash or you know whatever it might be that a parent might go, whoa, that was a I big love, reaction. I love that, Catherine. Yeah. I love that, Catherine, because
1: that's really important to me. And a lot of the problems we have here is that so many parents and parents get so involved. As soon as the young person has come through the door, they're on about homework, they're on about,
0: right.
1: you know, about assignments, what they have to do when they're tired, that burns out. You know, can, can you imagine coming home from work, a working right. day, and you're oh like, you need to do X, Y, and Z, and I need to have right. this. And so, you know, it, it's about what's important, the important thing that the child's been to the school for the day they've achieved today, yep. they've come back on time, um, you know, they're there, they're, they're, they're actually present with you. And sometimes we get so strapped into about, you know, if you got any homework, you know, your lady assignments don't leave it till the last minute at this time, right. you know, and all that. And, and we're setting, you know, we're setting the embers up to light the big fire. You know, what we need to do is let that situation breathe and come in and celebrate the child. And sometimes celebrating the child is just giving them space
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. No yep, full of
1: recognitions.
0: I think the greatest gift that a family can give each other or perhaps a home, you know, when everybody's coming home at the end of the day to say, all right, let's all just reset and we'll circle back in 20 minutes and start thinking about dinner or whatever it might be versus the idea of everybody walks through the door and I know we're all overscheduled and over busy and all that stuff, but it is really such a recipe for things to fall apart quickly if we don't allow everybody to just mm. kind of decompress and reset a little right. bit. It doesn't take very long. It doesn't have to be a three-hour bubble bath although that would be nice if it yeah, the you mentioned
2: nice. Allie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you guys, I just want to thank you both for sharing your expertise and your knowledge on building inner wealth with the 15- to 19-year-olds. This conversation has been illuminating for so many people. I am confident of that. Um, and it's just been so great to hear strategies and tips for how to not parent out of fear with this age group. So, I just want to thank you so much, both of you, for taking the time um, to be here with me on this podcast today. Um, Allie, you're all the way over there, far, far, far away in the U.K. Um, and your ability to make this happen and carve the time out of your life um, has been uh, – is, is, I just really am grateful to you for that, and, um, and our listeners are as well. And, Catherine, for you coming back um, to, to be on the podcast again. is just such a, it's such a treat for everybody. Um, with that being said, it is about that time for me to wrap up our discussion, and I do have a few quick announcements that I would like to make before I come back to both Catherine and Allie for some last-minute parting words of wisdom. Um, I would like to invite our listeners to join us for future Nutrient Heart Approach podcasts, either by following us at Blog Talk Radio or at childrensuccessfoundation.com forward slash NHA. Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook by clicking the icon. Also, registration for our Summer 2017 Certified Training Intensives, or CTIs, are now open. To register for Austin, Sacramento, or West Orange CTIs, uh, go to thechildrensuccessfoundation.com under the Training tab. And you can also register for the Three Stands e course on the same website, Children's This is a free e-course that is delivered directly to your email inbox. These emails are spaced about three days apart to allow for application and reflection before the next one arrives. All NHA podcasts are recorded and archived for our on-demand listening pleasure. Feel free to share the link to our channel here at blogtalkradio.com forward slash nurtured heart approach. So back to Ali and Catherine do either of you have any last minute parting words of wisdom to share with our listeners before we wrap up
0: pearls of wisdom I I guess for me oh go ahead Ali you go first
1: no 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 Catherine you go
0: Ah, okay, thank you for being so helpful that way. I, I was just going to say, you know, when we give up the presumption of negative outcome of kids making these awful choices, that to me allows us to let go of some of the fear because we start to just breathe a little bit. Um, you know, don't be afraid of this age group. I find, I mean, I'm a mom of four. I love teenagers. You know, this has been by far my most rewarding season, I think, partly because it's so easy when you have kids who are really getting a good sense of who they are. And they navigate so well, even through the hard stuff. They trip up and they get back on course pretty easily. Um, coming together as a family and having your clarity, what's the expectations, um, how are we going to work together for the greater good. I'm working on that with my boys. What are the things you want your kids to know that they're able to do and they're capable of doing you know, as they launch into the world? And most importantly, what do you want their inner voice to be? Because we all have, you know, hopefully have that strong inner voice, you know, as we're navigating through adulthood. And what do we want our kids to be telling ourso- themselves? And how mm-hmm. can we be very, very intentional about seeking moments to make sure we're reflecting back the best of who they are and the best of what they're capable of, even in the hard stuff. That's a guarantee with teenagers. Um, and turning over that sense of control and the ownership of the successes to them. Fun mm-hmm. times. I love it. Wouldn't trade it for anything. I can hear the passion in your voice. I love
2: it. Thank you, Catherine. How about you, Allie? Allie?
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, the, the the tips that I would give is the main one is is stop using the language of fear. So really keep away from the language of threats. The what you're going to take away, what you're going to stop them doing, mm-hmm. about what their future is going to be like. You know, um, a really good tip that I, I like to give, and I go, I've got to make sure I say it right uh, when I'm speaking to people in the U.S. is really trying to eliminate using the word but, and that's mm-hmm. B U. yeah Uh, because when we use that word but what happens is we we usually have given a recognition looking that something's going right but what we tend to use is the word but to add something of fear so I love you uh, could come in on time tonight uh, but can you make sure you do that every week you know and what what that sort of delivers to the young person is that I'm recognizing you but I still don't have faith in you that you can do it again. So try and eliminate that word but because usually what comes behind it is a kind of a projection of fear from the parents or, or adult.
2: Right. Removing the language of fear. That's beautiful. I love that. What a, can what I great... add that Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say making sure that people are really clear that it's never too late. It doesn't matter if your child is 5 or 15, you know, when you start this approach. It's never too late Absolutely. to really bombard them with a new direction of where they're going. Yeah, thank you for adding that. I'm glad you said that because that's so very true. A lot of people
2: will come into this approach thinking, oh boy, I'm too, my kids are too old, it's too late. And that's yep. so not the case. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And thank you both. This has been such a great discussion. I've enjoyed sharing space with the two of you. And I hope to share space with you guys sometime in the near future again. And Allie, have a great night. Go to bed thank you. <laughs> or have your glass yeah, of wine. Have that glass of wine.
0: That's what I was thinking. <laughs> thank you. Yep. And Catherine, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, evening. <laughs> thank you. Allie, thanks for coming on with me. It was great to be in partnership with you and Stephanie. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it very much.
2: Yes, it was fun, thank you. you guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Any stories shared in this broadcast are amalgams of experiences based on the use of the nurtured heart approach by our hosts and our guests and are not based on any particular person, child, or adult.